0: Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential, your weekly talk show on all things Royal. I'm Jo Elvin and we're going to kick off the show with the latest news from the Daily Mail's Royal editor, Rebecca English, who knows everything. Rebecca, hello. Yesterday you were out with the Duchess of Cornwall for what sounds like a very moving event. Uh,
1: Honestly, uh, Jo, it was, it's magical. It's actually one of my favourite events in the Royal Calendar each year. Uh, Basically, the Duchess of Cornwall invites a number of children from Helen and Douglas House, which is a hospice in Oxfordshire, and children helped by the Roald Dahl Marvelous Charity, which provides nurses for children who have uh, life-limiting or very serious medical conditions. And she invites them into Clarence House to help decorate uh, one of the Christmas trees. They put on this Fabulous lunch for them, sausages and mash. There's entertainments, so, you know. There's often ranges. There weren't ranges this year, unfortunately. But they had a special message from uh, the children's legend, that is Mr. Tumble, um, and music by the Welsh Guards. Um, and it's just, as one of the kind of the executives from the charity said to me, it's about making really special memories for children who won't, unfortunately, often have lives to make those memories in. Um, and last year they couldn't hold the event because of lockdown and they did it by Zoom. Um, and they were really 50 50 whether they would be able to have the children in this year. But Clarence sounds worked really carefully with the charity, put a lot of COVID protocol and measures in place. And the children came in. And honestly, I mean, there is one benefit, as um, I said to the Duchess yesterday from wearing masks, they can't, people can't see you crying because it was just seeing the. Kids' faces, it, you know, and what it means to them and their families was just just
0: amazing. She and Charles have been reinforcing their support for the booster jab. Um, and for some, this might be seen as quite political, but they're obviously quite passionate about it.
1: They are. And actually, last week, they, uh, to mark the uh, first anniversary of the first ever COVID jab in the world being delivered in the UK, they issued a message supporting uh, the government's push to get people to go out and get their booster vaccines and revealed that they'd had their boosters themselves. And yes, you know, the whole kind of vaccine issue is one that in some quarters, can be seen as a, you know, as something as, as somewhat controversial, somewhat political. Um, but it's kind of ironically coined a phrase, I think, by Diana Prince of Wales, that they see this as a humanitarian issue, not a political one. And actually... Charles and Camilla are kind of human beings like the rest of us too and they want to see their families at Christmas and uh, something I've spoken with the Duchess about before, you know, she's desperate to see her children and grandchildren and have a safe and happy Christmas and, you know, she is just an ordinary human being, believes that uh, uh, going out and getting a booster vaccine is the way to do this.
0: And another of your stories this week was about the Buckingham Palace investigation into the bullying claims made against Meghan Markle. I think Kicked into the long grass was the expression used. What is the situation there?
1: Yeah, so this was another exclusive in the Daily Mail last week that I wrote. That, uh, And I think this is really intriguing, actually, for a number of reasons. Um, so the bullying investigation was launched uh, by Buckingham Palace back in March, and nine months ago, and I've been told that they have only, the team at Buckingham Palace, and I should say the team of independent lawyers that they've got in to investigate this, uh, have only spoken to a tiny handful of people, um, and they're not even confirming that the investigation is still going ahead, and uh, no uh, findings have been uh, disseminated amongst anyone, either inside the Palace or or out. Um, now, I think there are there are quite a sticky situation in Buckingham Palace because clearly very serious allegations were made against the Duchess in 2018, um, and clearly those allegations weren't uh, investigated properly internally. So Buckingham Palace do have a duty of care to their staff to to make sure. Um, uh, if there are lessons to be learned as to how that was handled, what do they do? But of course, if they launch a full-scale investigation into these bullying allegations, they're going to have Meghan's lawyers crawling all over them. So I think what they're going to do, and this is why I use this phrase, kicked into the long grass, I think what they're going to do is look at it from a procedural point of view. They're going to say, okay, from an HR perspective, is there anything we could have done better? Are there lessons that we can learn? Are there new policies we need to put in? as opposed to investigating whole-scale the actual um, allegations that were made against her. Some people will think this is a bit of a cop-out, but I suspect they will feel this is the best way to navigate some very, very difficult waters.
0: Thank you so much for that, Rebecca English. Now, let's bring in my panel. Joining us this week is The Daily Mail's star columnist, Sarah Vine, who is alongside the paper's diary editor, Richard Eden, the dream <laughs> duo. Welcome. Welcome back. Um, or is it a
2: nightmare? <laughs>
0: resident heartthrob that we (laughs) should reiterate that Meghan has denied all claims of bullying Mm -hmm. but Sarah for anyone who has been a victim
2: of bullying this is a bit of a disappointing situation to be in isn't it? It is and I think also the claims have been fairly persistent Mm. Um, and I do think the palace need to look into it. Um, I think that it would be a real dereliction of duty if they didn't come up with some sort of Finality on this, because it is hanging over them a bit. So, what, uh, what,
0: what's happening? Are they just sort of hoping that we will stop asking questions
2: about it? Is that? I wonder whether they're delaying it a bit just to sort of give the queen some space. I don't know. That sort of would seem that would seem because it is the queen's. Uh, Chap who's doing it isn't mm. it Lord?
3: it's her um private secretary yes. Sir yeah edward young I think.
2: edward young look, yeah so maybe maybe there's just a feeling that, that now is not the time do you think richard that stories like
0: this have an impact on the perception of the palace well,
3: i think they do i mean it was a very interesting story that um you know rebecca ran that people there's clearly some frustration that it's such a, a long process and i think the people involved have very much wanted to have their say you know they they want want it to be known what what's happened to them and so i think that if the inquiry doesn't isn't comprehensive and doesn't really get to the bottom of the problem then these people might speak out to themselves you know afterwards
2: i mean the thing is they've never had anything like this have they the royals because they've no. always had a very good relationship no, with their staff maybe that explains
0: why yeah. they're a little bit confused about how to handle yeah, exactly. it exactly i mean yes. you know
2: their staff have always been incredibly loyal very well treated very happy on the whole there's not been any sort of you know there's there's really been no one who's broken ranks apart from that woman years ago who wrote about being the nanny I seem to remember but um so this is a real this is new territory for them Mm. and I think they're probably quite shocked by it and and of course it's very emotional because it's all tied up with Harry and Meghan who have left you know. Well I want to ask about them because presumably they would quite like this to be resolved as well or? well i mean in america bullying you know accusations of bullying are taken very very seriously it's really it's you know something that really does hang over people mm. and i think so i think from their point of view they'll want to get this cleared up because otherwise they you know that they, it'll always be slightly swirling around don't it mm. and i think
3: it does come from a culture clash doesn't it where you know the royal family had always treated their staff like members of the family really and people would do it the pay wasn't great Mm. but you would do it out of loyalty and then often you you could go on to very well-paid jobs Mm. elsewhere But then Meghan came in from a very different perspective of staff and they're there to do a job. Mm. And it was a whole different sort of ethos Mm. for her. So I think that's where the difficulties lie.
0: I had a friend who was the chief locksmith at Buckingham Palace and he used to get lovely Christmas presents. Yeah. Lovely. No, Exactly. (laughs) But let's talk about Christmas. Now, the Queen's Christmas party plans, Sarah, she has had to cancel... The lunch
2: yeah. that is for. So there's ex- a big lunch yeah. that happens, I think it was at Windsor. Who doesn't love, a, loves, big I don't, I love yeah. a big lunch? I love a big lunch. 50 people, all the sort of peripheral royals who don't make it to Sandringham, basically. So she's cancelled that. She'll be but, disappointed about that, do you think? I mean, I'd be delighted <laughs> not to have to. <laughs> <laughs> if I were her, I'd be lying on the sofa with some Bollinger some Street and, I don't and, to and say that soon, Princess Michael this if, year. Exactly. I mean, uh, that <laughs> ghastly. What's the, I mean, I think she must be, I mean, aren't we all slightly relieved sometimes not to have to go to a Christmas party I mean, I can't really
0: see her sort of like languishing with a tub of celebrations I think, am I right and a pink
2: gym.
3: I think on the one <laughs> well, hand well she's not allowed to drink anymore is she I th- uh, no no true poor queen well, well maybe a, a gin cr- Christmas. poor yeah, queen exactly. Christmas. but maybe um, you know for the queen it, I think it was a big deal because it was the first get together of the extended family since the death of Prince Philip mm, so yes. I, I think she probably was looking forward to it in that respect but I the, hope you
0: feel bad now Sarah I uh, feel terrible
3: <laughs> but <laughs> the event can be a little bit controversial. There was the occasion when Prince Harry invited Meghan for the first time and he thought, great, you're going to meet all my family, you know, it's going to be a great occasion. And then Princess Michael of Kent turned up with a, a Blackamoor brooch. Um, she later apologised if it had caused any offence. And um, I think it was seen as quite an extraordinary thing
2: to wear. I mean, I know we, we've come to, because of COVID, everyone fetishises Christmas now. It's become this sort of, incredible. I've always hated big family reunions at Christmas. I mean, they're ghastly. Someone always does something <laughs> awful, or, or or falls asleep under the tree, or drinks, or says something rude. I mean, you know. I didn't know you'd been to the at <laughs> <elven> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I can't think of anything worse than a big fifty people family reunion with Princess Michael of Kent.
3: No, well, maybe <laughs> the maybe Queen is. Rich. Maybe
2: they just decided yeah. that this year the Queen gets a year off.
3: But then she still does have. We still She's got. Still sandring sandring She's still doing Sandringham yeah. Christmas.
2: But yeah, you know, I
0: mean. We have to acknowledge she's an, an elderly woman. Is that any wiser to keep that going this
2: year? Well, I suppose they can. They can. Um, they can probably PCR test everyone and self isolate and do all the things that they need to do. I mean, it's much easier to control how many people are at the Sandringham Christmas. It's not going to be fifty, is it? No, it'd be more like
3: twenty five. It does so.
2: tend to attract a crowd. What you mean, the walking to yeah, church yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but it's outdoors, and they can. The crowd will probably wear masks because they're probably quite respectful of the Queen's age. And I mean, like, I don't, you know, the, I don't see that that's going to be a big issue. It's no,
3: I mean, the problem the Queen has is she wants to set an example, and she wants to set a good example. Mm. But everything's very difficult at mm. the moment. You know, people can catch this new variant mm. of the virus even if they've been vaccinated. Mm. Yeah, um, and so it might be possible they don't walk to church because they don't want to attract crowds, even though mm. they're outdoors. And- I
2: mean, there is also something, I'm going to say it, because I always have to say the unsayable, which is that she's of a certain age, and, you know, this is Christmas, and it's an important thing for her to attend. Mm. You know? Yeah.
3: You know, how many Christmases does the Queen well, have Well, you left? said it, brilliant. Yeah.
2: Said it so That's I didn't thing. have to. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Dear oh dear. <laughs> I mean, how many Christmases will we be talking about COVID? That's my question. Many more, awful, I think. Awful, awful, yeah. awful. Because uh, Rebecca... English mentioned that Charles and Camilla's boosting of the booster was, mm. as it were, uh, you know, with Charles taking aim at conspiracy theorists along the way. Well, he's what, right. To what do what that. did you
2: make of that? I, I love Charles I for mean, saying that. That's that. kind of
0: like that's yeah. t- train, straying into political. Yeah. Well, he really. does that, doesn't he? Yeah. I,
2: th- I, th- I think he's right, though. I think it's absurd that, uh, that that. I mean, there are all these crazy conspiracy theories out there, and quite a lot of them get emailed to me. By crazy conspiracy theorists, and it's and it's ridiculous, you know. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's just a vaccine against a rather yeah. nasty nasty virus. Mm. It's, I don't think it's anything sinister.
3: I mean, he has touched on a really serious issue. I was reading yesterday how a third of everyone in London mm. hasn't been vaccinated at all.
2: Yeah. That really shocked me. I mean, 100,000 yeah. yeah. NHS staff have not been vaccinated, which is bonkers when you think about it, because they really are exposed to it.
3: Yeah, so I mean, in this country, it's not particularly political because all the main parties support mm. the vaccination efforts. So I don't think... He's not causing any trouble there, but I think mm. he is just trying to show people, mm. come on, let's try and do our best to protect yeah. ourselves. And
0: get life moving again. Yeah. Um, before we move on, Richard, I wanted to ask you about a story you wrote this week um, about Eton College refusing to grant Netflix yes. permission to film The Crown there. <laughs> um, they must have turned down a nice, tidy sum. It's in really
3: interesting. It's become a dilemma for a lot of institutions. is Do, do we um, take the Netflix shilling you know, and allow... Them to film. We've had Earl Spencer said that he would turned them down for filming at Old Throp. We've had Buckingham Palace, obviously, and then Eton made clear that they didn't want scenes to be filmed there. So instead, they were filmed at some Winchester College, which was happy to
0: take a sign out the front. Money. But
2: put a big new Netflix
3: logo with the crest. Used I don't to be. know why
2: they need yeah. to film at this. Can't they just do a CGI Eton College?
3: Well, Netflix has a lot of money. More Isn't that what we do? I, I, I think they like to be as authentic as, <laughs> okay. the, as, the, as right. they can. Yeah.
2: But I'm I oh, think... no, sorry, the crown is not authentic. No. I mean, that's rubbish. They're not even slightly authentic. <laughs> it always has that veneer of it, doesn't it? Well, that's yeah. not yeah. if you're an American and you don't know anything about the royals. Yes, maybe. But
3: I, I suspect Eton might have a um, their eye on making sure that they're still open to Prince George attending. Indeed. The mm. last thing they want to do is scare the royal family mm. off from... Letting Prince George go there, George so, and, um, and
0: Louis, I presume. Mm. They're,
3: they're, yeah. they're sort of doing and the right maybe, thing. And maybe Archie,
0: maybe. So yes, with Eton wanting to keep the door open for Prince George, it would seem that they've seen William rattle his cage in his little BBC fracas, yeah. and they're thinking, oh, I mean, maybe people are starting to be frightened of William and his
2: power. Well, I think I think William is is increasingly confident, and I think that. Um, but he's not arrogant. He's just quite sort of firm and fair. I think what he said all those week months ago about the Martin Bashir documentary was very well said. And yeah, he's quite dignified about all of that. I think he has quite a sort of strong and solid moral compass, and I think he he likes to set boundaries, <clears throat> and that's just what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that he's perfectly within his rights to do that. He's he's you know he's not being emotional. He's not being angry. He's not being unpleasant or rude or petulant. He's just saying you know this is it, this is where I draw the line. And I think mm. that's, I think that in a way, it's quite good for him to be showing that level of authority. I think that's what you sort of want from a prince, isn't it? Yeah. Are and you a future king? Yeah.
3: I mean, frankly, it's good, like in the case of Eton, it's quite good to see someone saying, actually, we don't really need your money to Netflix. Mm. I mean, remember that, you know, Prince Harry's taken, Meghan, they've taken millions from, from Netflix. Mm. So, you know, it's a, it's a very controversial yeah. subject. But I don't think William's vengeful. I think no. he, he just, um, you know, he wants to stand up for himself a bit. And, you know, why, if you're behaving in a terrible way, like the BBC did with his documentary, then why should he turn around and sort of... But also bend over I get the you?
2: sense with William, and also to, to, to an extent with Kate, that, that they have a, a quite a broad vision. Now, they sort of see beyond the immediate, you know, uh, vicissitudes of royal life and they can see that it's a bigger picture and that it's a a much bigger and more important thing than any one individual event and it contrasts very strongly to harry's behavior which is that he chases after every single annoying thing that happens and sends a lawyer's letter or does a statement or whatever they tend to be much more uh reserved and yeah. they, they obviously they, you know because they see it as a, i think they see it much more in a in a sort of historical context that they have a m- much broader sense of what it is that they're that they are what they stand for yeah. and i think that's really really they're very mature i mean i mean kate's only 40. only 40. Oh. only 40. <laughs> oh, she's a, a baby. spring chicken yes. she's going to be 40 next month isn't exactly. she exactly she's a capricorn 9th of january they're very organized mm. people yes. capricorns Are you a Capricorn?
0: No, no, I'm the the polar opposite of a Capricorn, but let's (laughs) move on. Speaking of future monarchs, it's been a year that has seen the death of Prince Philip, the Queen's own health problems and the continued challenge of the pandemic to royal duties. This has increased speculation as to how long Her Majesty could and would remain on the throne and what the monarchy should look like in the future. So we asked historian Ed Owens to look back and forward for us.
4: Throughout the Queen's almost 70-year reign, the role of the monarchy has changed dramatically. We, the public, often take for granted the position of monarchy in British national life. But in order to know where we're going in the future, it's important that we first look back at the past. Elizabeth II's monarchy can be broken down to three key successes. Survival by staying relevant, continuity through the visibility of the heirs, and a lack of challenge from those with anti-royalist tendencies. The successes of monarchy haven't come without a cost. The royals have shifted from being close to God to being close to the A-list. Before the 1950s, access to royalty came through major events like weddings and funerals. But increased media visibility has led to us seeing more of the reality of the royals. And this has included a series of scandals from Margaret through Diana and Fergie to the present day. Queen Elizabeth II's reign uh, has been guided by service, duty, and sacrifice, which are exchanged for high station and royal privileges. The emphasis on sacrifice was part of a deliberate PR strategy set in motion by George VI to emphasize the unenviable position of being part of the royal family. Yet when duty is placed as something to aspire to, problems arise when family members put self-interest first. From Andrew to Harry and Meghan, it's clear that the monarchy attracts most criticism when royals are seen to be hypocritical or self-indulgent. When criticised, the monarchy is reacted by exerting greater control over its public image. This includes an increasingly heavy-handed set of measures to maintain secrecy, from information over royal finances to the strict controls over the use of the royal archives and a stern hand when approaching the media. Prince Charles, when he comes to the throne, will inherit a monarchy with a lot of baggage. How will he try to live up to the high ideals of his mother's reign and balance those with the expectations of the public? It has been widely reported that Charles is keen to downsize the monarchy in terms of working family members. One would hope that he would be equally as enthusiastic towards downsizing the crown's global pretensions. Elizabeth II's monarchy has been shaped by the legacy of what was once the empire. The Commonwealth has been an area where the queen has exercised real power and influence, but it remains to be seen how, or if, the Commonwealth can play a meaningful role in the future of global Britain. The Britain inherited by Elizabeth II in 1952 is vastly different to the one Prince Charles will inherit. National divisions are more visible than ever before, and the social and political problems of today are more complex than they were 70 years ago. Charles is carefully carving out a public image as the environmentalist king-in-waiting, which is key at a time when the world is menaced by climate change. In this respect, at least, the crown has continued to adjust and adapt to wider social, cultural, and political forces, much as it has done not just through the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, but since the first kings of England established their rule here more than a thousand years ago.
0: Ed Owen says, Sarah. Given how much everyone has been worrying about the Queen's health lately, serious discussions need to be had and soon, yeah. don't they? <clears throat>
2: yeah, I mean they are obviously going on, aren't they? I mean they mm. will be having them for. I mean I don't think the public is really talking about it yet. Um, I
0: don't
2: know. Do you think they are? Yeah, I think I, I. I feel like it's in the air. Yeah, yeah. I mean I do think people look at her and worry a mm. bit. I mean I was very surprised that, to see her greeting the. Prince of Omar. What, Oman, was it the other day? I mean, I thought,
3: gosh, that's quite a Well, Well,
2: that's the thing with, you know, our (laughs) omnipresent discussions about
0: COVID. It would just seem to accelerate that worry Mm. and that fear, wouldn't Mm. it?
3: Mm. I mean, it's it's so tricky because with other institutions, you can plan for the future. Mm. Um, Whereas with the royal family, because that involves the death of the head of that Mm. institution... It's kind of bad taste to talk, talk about it too openly, so it all has to go on behind the scenes. But well, I
2: suppose she could just retire and hand over to Charles. She doesn't have to die to do that, does she?
3: No. I, I mean, mean, she
2: could just say, "Right, okay, that's it. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm still queen," but you know, and if we can have two popes. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, it's what I would love to happen, but yeah. I don't think is. I mean, that's to what I think
2: would be the sensible thing because I think then. Uh, then he'll have a chance to establish himself you know under her watchful eye yeah. and and you know we'll all get used to the idea, and the country will move forward with that and then when she very sadly does die, it will be the passing of someone we love and respect and you know who's always been in our lives but it won't be it won't be a sort of catastrophic kind of pro- organizational. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, sense, yeah. I mean, it would seem to make sense. I mean, I don't understand why they don't. But is Charles's vision of a slim down monarchy, is that starting to look a bit on the worryingly thin side if you've hmm. removed Harry and Andrew from stately duties? Well, I, no, I think that, that would like, be
2: absolutely the right thing to do. I think you need Charles and Camilla and then you need the Cambridges. And I think job done. I mean, I don't think we need more than but, that. But, you know, there's a lot of church holes that, like to be visited by well that's okay you know they me? can it's still like, do all of that but yeah. I think in terms of the sort of co- you know the core I mean those they, they should be the ones you know leading the tone you know setting the tone for the royal family you know basically I mean less is more and in, in, I think in, in, you know these people become much more relevant and much more important if they're, if they're not spread too thinly.
3: And I think they are spread too thinly at the moment. The Queen's view has always been that she wants to have a big royal family with lots of people carrying out engagements so they can meet members of the public and then people, the public feel that bond with the royal family. If it's very slimmed down, like Charles's vision it does make it very narrow, and it means then you're dependent on a very few individuals. And we've seen how vulnerable that is. Yeah, Yeah, well, we've seen how vulnerable that is because, you know, Harry and Meghan were key to his vision. Mm. And I haven't seen any um, alternative view of what they're going to do about that. Is it really the future of the monarchy just going to be Charles and Camilla and Prince William and family? I mean, well, that, I mean,
0: I think it has to be at
3: Yeah, the well, that really will be slimmed it's down. It's really
0: about time Prince George started pulling his weight. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> honestly. I mean, quite. Now, if you have enjoyed the stories <laughs> on today's programme, and if you've got this far, I presume you have, I think you might enjoy the weekly royal newsletter from Mail Plus. It's written by our very own Richard Eden. Richard, why don't you tell the viewers what they can expect?
3: Well... Who can miss it? You know, it's every week. Unmissable. <laughs> um, Unmissable. We all try and keep up with the royal stories, but it's impossible. There's so many. So my job is to um, put them all in one place and let the the viewer and the reader know what's going on. There's a bit of gossip in there, you know, maybe a few jokes if you're lucky. So... Um, if you're Please feeling it. do sign yeah. up.
0: And I know there's a lot of Richard fans. You get another little picture of his head. <laughs> Unmissable. <laughs> to sign up, head to www.mailplus.co.uk forward slash palace newsletter. That link is on screen now. Maybe we should have a Richard
3: calendar. Have you signed up?
0: I. This is my idea. Yeah. So Richard, Richard, if Eden you would like calendar. a well, Richard should be Eden confidential, 2022 calendar palace confidential calendar a mug
2: with richard's face on it yeah
0: i'm going to start an etsy shop but that is all we have time for (laughs) right now on palace confidential this week my thanks as ever to sarah vine rebecca english and richard eden ed owens and to you of course for watching Bye bye